and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. I just realized this pop stopper is on the wrong side. I put it there just to help with the, the back. Back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How's that a way of for entrance? So, viewers of our channel will already know, like, him and I are both smirking right now because we got, we just finished with like a pretty, pretty solid argument prior to this podcast. Just the stress that he puts me under. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And thankfully so, because I feel like this is going to be a list unlike most others. And it'll be fun to see two different, very different perspectives on that. Uh, this, today our topic is going to be uh, board gaming nuances. Like, uh, what are the specific, like, mechanisms or rules that designers have added in. Stop that glaring. That, that designers have added into the game that make it that push it to that next level i mean it it might not even make the game necessarily better but it's like it's memorable it's unique to that to that game it sets it apart from other games that are similar to this um for some reason your second monitor is resetting so we apologize if the chat is trying that to is us. like the second time it's done this so that's a little weird but you see what i mean is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ultimate goal uh, I want to give an example of of one like it does. It's not the main mechanism is where we're aiming at. It's what is specifically unique about something. Um, so I, ah, actually, let's use this as an example. If we chose Christmas Vacation National Lampoons, like that little cup that's modeled after that, mm-hmm. uh, after the one in the movie, yeah. that would be a perfect example. It's like that they didn't have to do that. You can roll dice without a cup. Yeah. But they, they thought, let's add a dice cup to it, and then on top of it, let's add this little thing. Like, that's a really little subtle thing that you know as soon as people see. They're going to, like, giggle themselves like, that. that's great. I do have an issue with that dice cup, though. It's a little too thin, isn't it's, it? It's narrow as all get up, yeah. so the, the freaking things start standing on top of each other. And it's just like, let's just take it off and leave the, the face that was right. up. Exactly. See, I, I'm of the mind where I, I'm not sure how to roll it using that <laughs> cup, because, like, like, you have to really extend it tilt it sideways or you can tilt it forward like that and then and it even just shoots then, everything yeah, you're not going to tilt it like you would a normal cup so because you need it's that. way too so thin it's going to basically chaos. you need that dice cup and then you need like a dice tray to put everything <laughs> right. in this way it doesn't go flying all over the place maybe the punch of egg or the bowl of eggnog <laughs> like roll it into that <laughs> but that that's kind of what the aim of this well he didn't explain it to yeah. me that way in the beginning he was like telling me a mechanism or a roll and i'm just right. sitting there like and now he's telling me like I could have gone with, like, unique items. Like, heck, if I was going to go with unique items, I would do Rise of Queensdale's Plunger. None of mine none of mine are specifically uh, unique items, per se. I do have one that specify or that uses a unique item, but it's for the game. It's not just, like, whatever it is. For example, like this, you don't need that cup. The one example I do have of the item, you do definitely need it. In order to play. So, that, that, anyway, we'll get into that when we get into this. Before we do that, though, Daniel, how, how have you been lately? I've been pretty good, other than fighting with this stupid uh, screen over here. Yeah, technically, hey, it wouldn't be a live podcast <laughs> of ours without some troubleshooting. The fact that we're doing it back-to-back weeks, and then we have live troubleshooting, it's like, come on, that's why, how, why are you acting up now? That's how we know the microphone is working. <laughs> There's always something, and today it's the TV. And yes, that would be good for dice tricks, that's right. But what have you been playing lately? You've been playing more games than I have. Yeah, so I was telling you, like, the last time we discussed this, um, last week, actually, we were like, ah, oh, we were scripting and uh, saving, trying to get four games. Yep. 
I don't have that problem today. Uh, between the last podcast and this recording, I've played nine games. Now, yeah. mind you, there, there's one, two new games on here? Let's see. Uh, no, there's only one new game on my <coughs> list here. Well, actually two, yeah, because uh, that one. Okay. So uh, right. I was going to talk about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. All right. So that was my first one. Uh, you lent this one to me. Um, I took this over to a friend's house um, because they had someone out of town who doesn't play games a lot. And I'm like, I need to pick up. Put the thing down. Quit doing show and tell. <laughs> For the viewers, I'm trying to be so, fan service here. No, you're distracting. Just, don't, you're just don't look at the screen. It's fine. Anyways, nobody else back does. to what I am, PCN. Going back to what I was talking about, National Lampoon's Christmas <laughs> Vacation. We played this with a group, and one of them is not a non-gamer. So we've been... You do I'm responding to no, the comment, and no, I will specify... No! no stop it! You distract me all the time! No, you go first. I'm done. Alright. So, NPC Aaron, yes, you're you're absolutely right. I didn't know it was out. In fact, it wasn't even on BoardGameGeek or on the Funko website until I had bought it and already brought it home. So I played it first. No, this is a really good pick of yours. I, I agree. No, no, I'm in a bad mood now because you keep distracting me and I can't get my thoughts out. I will look this way. You go, you go no, ahead. No, I'm done. Uh, uh, Snitching right, yours and then I'll go back to mine. All right. Wait, are you saying like me to go back to the first one or are you going to go back to this one or the, your number two? Because I don't want to take away from, from National Lampoon's. It's a good game. No, 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 you brought this upon yourself. <laughs> Do your first one right, and I'll read first one. one. <laughs> the first one I want to talk about today. Is a game uh, has 18 cards in it, but already has two expansions. Just recently came out from Button Shy. It is called Fishing Lessons, and it's about uh, it's from Scott Holmes. It's a solo game, and the idea is that you are trying to remember uh, one of your relatives' uh, fishing he, lessons. He is seriously to... ADHD today. It's driving me <laughs> insane. He's only been here for 30 minutes. Uh, that's true. I have I even been there that long? Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, but no, this fishing lesson game, you're trying to remember the fishing lessons that your that your grandpa or some relative uh, <laughs> has had taught you over the years, and you're out on a fishing trip by yourself just trying to catch the best fish. What's cool is that there's six characters on three cards, is double-sided, and each of them has like a goal, like some are looking for three catfish and two trout or something like that, and those have to be the exact ones that are face-up, so you're moving around playing like the, you're like pre-programming these lesson cards. And you're trying to go to the right spot, flip over the right ones, flip down the ones that are not part of it mm -hmm. to get the right combination to win. I played it twice. Um, or no, I played it once. One and a half. Uh, second time I had to stop midway because it was at work. And uh, I had work to do, apparently. But the first one I did, I beat handily because I was playing one of the easier characters. Mm -hmm. um, it's just all the cards had to be face up. Easy peasy. I was able to do that. There's only like eight cards you have to turn face up. It's pretty easy. Um, but overall, I mean, it wasn't bad for a solo game. Um, I felt like there could have been more, but I also haven't looked at the expansion content yet, which was also sent out. Uh, but yeah, overall, pretty good. Uh, that is the first pick of mine I was going to talk about, Fishing Lessons by right. Button Shy Games. Going back to my first pick, because somebody... You know what? Give me that other game over here. No. No, I, I no. wasn't even going to show it off. No. I brought it to show you, no. sir. You can't have anything over there. You start fidgeting, so no. So, going back to my first I feel game shamed right is now. Uh, National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation. It's a nice little, I guess, card-shedding, push-your-luck game. I really, really enjoyed this one. 
um, showing it to a new group, in, including a non-gamer, really. Uh, she's only played with our group. for This is the second time she actually requested us to go back over to our friend's house to play games because she's not from the area. I think she lives in Austin. And so we showed it off. It, it went down pretty cool. Uh, I like the fact the the push your luck aspect where like, okay, this is the things. You draw your cards. Now you're going to go again, but you got to be careful about those Eddie hats. And you keep doing it. And one of our friends just kept going and going and going. And she only rode, rode, uh, rolled one Eddie hat. Once she got the second one, she basically had like several runs or like a, one really long run, one through seven because it had the well, the question mark, the, well, the wild in there, well, but she also rode a star on that turn, so she took out two different runs—a one through five run and a one through seven run. Wow! So I was like, "Well, there's half the deck, right?" Yeah, and the thing is, that left her with two <coughs> cards left in her deck for her next turn. Yeah. So and then on that turn, she rolled a star in a Santa hat, so she rolled two, got rid of one card, and got rid of the other run for her turn. It's like. That was amazing, but yeah, <laughs> but I liked awesome. it a lot. It's a simple game. It's uh, quick, easy, fun. It's not hard to teach at all. Right. I did have one issue. The ugly Christmas sweaters, which are fine, but the fact that they're double-sided started messing with oh, my yeah. eyes. Like, yeah. there's no tomorrow. It's like, oh, okay. <coughs> yeah, so other than that, it's great. Yeah. I had a good time with it. Uh, of course, I played yellow, so I had the film roll for my uh, my suit. Oh, I didn't realize that they were different. Like the back of the your cards oh. have different. Like so, the film okay. film reel is yellow. I think there's one that has like the moose cup or something like that on there. Yeah, and the other one has like the Christmas tree. But they like the back of the ugly sweater is different. That's cool. I didn't realize that. See, you know, one thing I really like about it, and this does something different than a lot of other games is that it's a press your like dice game. But you're, the only thing you're rolling the dice for is to draw cards, really. And sometimes you can score extra stuff. That's what makes it different that I think is unique. Coaster. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. It, it, that's a good it's a good choice. I'm glad I picked it up. Are you, no, the question is, are you going to eventually pick it up? Yeah. I yeah. have a problem. More Great than price point. And in fact, I need more Christmas games. Uh, the one I want to get, uh, I didn't realize it was for next year. It's the Elf Creek's reprint oh, yeah. of Santa's... Yeah. It's like Santa's Village or something like that, where it's yeah. a worker placement. Santa's Workshop. Workshop, there you go. Um, the only one I have right now is Three Ghosts, which is a trick-taking game up there at the top. So Okay. Awesome. All right. So uh, the next game I wanted to talk about, I actually uh, played at the at our local game shop, which is where I demo the games. And we had a small group, so I was like, all right, you know, I'll actually sit down and play this game with you. So I had not played it in a really long time, and I forgot how dumb I feel while playing it. I ended up winning pretty substantially. No, actually, no. I was second place by far. Mm-hmm. There was one person who just, like, doubled my score, and he had never played it before. Can't be as bad as Endless Winter. No, no. This is this is a bingo-style game. Uh, is this the new one that came out this year? Nope. Emerson it's SG, or? pretty old. It's about three or four years old. Okay. Well, I was going to say, uh, is it the reprint of Ave Caesar? Nope. Okay, then. I don't know. This is Tiny Towns. Oh, Yes, I do know this. I game. have not played Tiny Towns in a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you feel so dumb. And it that played into the fun of the game. Because mm-hmm. it was me and two other players, and one guy came in halfway through and sat down with us. And just the whole time we're like like why'd you pick glass? Oh my god, this won't fit anywhere. Why are you doing this to me? Like, ah and like they were stressing and then laughing immediately after because they're like this 
Like, why is this game so difficult? It's so simple. <coughs> this is ridiculous. It, you feel great playing it. So the idea of Tiny Towns, you have a 4x4 four four grid. Uh, you have five different resources. You put them down. If you make a certain pattern that's available to all players, you get to build a building. Each of those buildings score points in different ways or give you abilities. Most points at the end of the game wins. Um, what the trick on that, like bingo, is that if I if I pick, like, say, a wood piece, everyone has to place a wood piece. You can put it anywhere you want, but if you cannot make one of the patterns of the buildings, there's, like, eight or nine buildings that you mm-hmm. have available. If you can't make any of those patterns and you're done, then you're just stuck and you just have to wait till everybody else can efficiently do it. Yeah. Because building buildings lets you build it in one of the spots that it takes up. Mm-hmm. So if this takes five cubes... In, a, in an area, then you remove all five cubes, that's four now that are available to you, and one, the building goes in there permanently for the rest of the game. So you quickly, like, shove yourself into a corner where you have to manipulate around. It's awesome, it's super fun, makes you feel super dumb, but it's hilarious the whole time. Tiny Towns. That was my next pick. I do like that game a lot. Yeah, uh, I have a... Uh, <laughs> it's a Meeple Rainbow, so, you know, pride. Yeah. <laughs> So, my uh, next pick here is the first time I have played a non-new Phil Walker Harding game since we played that massive uh, playthrough of all the games that we had. Yeah. So, So this was a... This was not new to you. It was not new to me. Uh, There's only one more possibly on my list that's not new to me. So, you say if you haven't played a Phil Walker Harding game since that game day... I think we played one of the newer ones. I don't know yet. Uh, the only one I can think of is Monolith. This the newest one out. I haven't played that yet. And the Joey games. Oh yeah, and the Joey games. So yeah, no, this I haven't played a Phil Walker Harding game no. since then. Yep. It's the first time I did it, and it's because again I went to that grouping. See what I mean about him fidgeting all the time? Yep. Uh, so we went to the, we went to uh, that grouping. It was five players. I don't. I realized I don't have a lot of five player games, and so I was like, you know what? Let me grab this one. Well, I was talking to our mutual friend Dom beforehand, and he mm-hmm. was like, okay, well, what about It's a Wonderful Life? That can hold five people. I'm like, I don't want to teach that to... No. It's it's a little heavier on the drafting mechanics, but drafting right. usually tends to go down well. And then it popped in my head. Sushi Why not? Go? No. Oh. Planted. Oh, okay. I took this one over. One, it's really nice. One, it's not hard to teach. It's actually quite simple, and it's one of my wife's favorite games. So, <laughs> took it over there, taught it. Everybody loved it, uh, including the new um, player. Uh, to the point where she's like, I may go pick me up a copy of this and play with my mom. And I'm like, yeah, you can. It's not expensive. It's like $30, $35 at Target. Yeah. And it was really good. I, I had a fun, fun time with it. Though, there was one point, and I, I understand why they do it. But when they switch the draft order, so like first round you go to the left, second round you go to the right. Yeah. Every time that first switch confuses everybody. So I moved my cards to the left, and I went to go pick up my cards on the right, but someone had already picked them up. So I went to move to the left, and I'm like, wait. (laughs) Where'd they go? Where's everything? It's because people were confused about what cards need to be picked up. And it's just like, all right. Whoever picked up the cards on the right, and I, so they put it down on the left. I picked them up, like, wait, this is my old hand. So I put it back down, grabbed the other ones on the right, and I'm like, okay, these are the ones I'm looking for. And I'm like, I want those ones back, because <laughs> there are better cards in that one. But this is it's a, it's a drafting game that's simultaneous play. You pick a card, you gather either the resource or use it as a tool or a decoration. Um, you play it, or you can use it to go and get yourself a new plant. 
And you keep doing that till all the cards are done. You get all your resources or whatever else you're going to do, shop or <coughs> use uh, uh, get the tools and stuff like that. But you get all the resources and everybody's done. At the same, You feed all your plants. You can feed them once per round. So if you get a third plant in the first round, you feed everything. Then you kind of set yourself up for a success. You can only ever hold six plants. And it's so simple. It's so well done. It's like a next level Sushi Go in a sense. Yeah. Um, I even think it's a little bit more heady than Sushi Go Party just because the Sushi Go Party. Oh, very much. Yeah. yeah. Sushi Go it's Party, so, it's just different scoring. Yeah, that's all, it's it all it is. This one. But I think it's still a very welcoming game. It's not mm-hmm. super hard. Like if, or if some people who like drafting games, but they find Sushi Go too easy, this is your next level because there's yeah. this going on and you're using the cards somewhat in multi-use ways. Some of them are going to score you points at the end of the games. Some of them are going to, you know, give you the resources that you need or help you get more resources if you get a tool. But also, you can use them to go buy plants. And I, that's the one thing I really like about this one is that whoever is going to go... We, we were saying, like, let's go shopping for plants. Mm-hmm. So I'm going shopping. And everybody would say that. And then you have to look at the number. Whoever's lowest, I believe, gets the first shop. That's right. And so I like that aspect of it because it's like, it's not turn order because it's um, such a fast moving game. So it's nice to be like, this is a two, you're a 96 and you're a 34. Okay, I'm going to pick my plant first. A new one comes up and now you guys have to choose. (coughs) Very easy solution to that problem. Yeah, very easy. Love it a lot. Uh, Well done. Buffalo Games, actually really good component quality for it too, for something that's like $30, $35 at Target. Yeah. And honestly, the way Target pushes games out, you can probably catch it on a deal one of these days. And that's, that, this is one of the few games that put Buffalo Games on the map for me now, Mm -hmm. is now I truly believe, I hope they keep this up because. It was, for me, it was Summer Camp. Yeah, so Summer Camp was the one. Yeah. And after that, we started, and then we got planted. We're like, wait a minute, Buffalo actually is not making party games. They're making, like, <laughs> yeah. really interesting and very inexpensive. Like, Storm Chasers, that was a Buffalo Games, I believe. That one looks and pretty that's cool. That's, like, 20 bucks, it. And it's great components. Yeah. And now, granted, we're, we're very we're fanboys. We are fanboys of Phil Walker Harding. Uh, you know, but I do think I, I'm in the minority. Planted is one of my least favorite of his. You're probably in the minority because yeah. I've been seeing like... Well, the, I know the, I am. The Everyone else of, says... Like, the yeah. 2022. Yep. It's up there a lot. Yeah, so. it's up there. And I, I don't know what it is. There's something about it that's like, eh, it's okay. I like it doesn't, the, doesn't scratch the same itch as a lot of his others. That's um, I love the drafting really in good. it. I love the components in it. I love the art in it. So I, You know, I think that's what it is with me. I never liked hand drafting. I'm just not yeah. a big fan of that. Um, yeah, he always. I'll has be talking about that here in a bit. Yeah, I do. Well, the next game I wanted to talk about is um, we just got a, a new stock of games in the shop. Uh, I showed you a few of them, mm-hmm. but there was one that I had requested that he ordered specifically, and I was very, very excited when we got it. And I, <clears throat> I honestly didn't realize we we're going to get this fast, so I had to buy it for myself. Yeah, this is a one-player game, and it is the the next one in a series of. New uh, series of games from the same designer, which you play the app of a lot. Onira? Yep, this is the newest one. Oh, Stellarion. Stellarion, okay. This is we the got one that's Stellarion. Basically, his company now, right? The, this is now from Impatience Game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shaddy Torby. Um, he he designed a whole series of games that are all in the Onirum or Oniverse it's series. Oniverse, yeah. Yeah, Onirum is the main one. Then there's like Urbion, Stellarion is the newest one. Arion, Castellion, yeah. 
Um, and there's another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my list. But anyway, this is the most recent one. And the base game of it is really simple. You have 64 cards and um, eight objective cards. The objective cards have to do with four different um, stellar bodies, like a galaxy, a planet, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you have to complete those. Those are kind of like the doors in Oniram. If you complete all eight of those, you win. And the way you complete one is by discarding uh, cards face up from you, mm-hmm. That four of them that have the same symbol. So if I have four galaxies, I can discard the galaxies and then complete that card. That's okay. how you have to do it. <coughs> However, there's eight decks in front of you, each with eight cards. And those are what you have to pick from. There are the four galaxy ones, and those will always have the galaxy symbol on it and one other symbol that's like a mechanism. Mm-hmm. And then there's four mechanism decks. So it's like a rocket ship um, and a few others. I forgot off the top of my head. But they're like spaceships, stuff like that. Okay. And those, there's there's eight decks of those all with those symbols on it and then one of the galaxy ones. Yeah. And so it's a cool little balance. So you have to figure out which ones you can discard in order to get that completed. But you can also discard two of the same like machines to do like an ability, like reshuffle a deck, or okay. choose one to be on top, or um, set it aside in an outpost and use it as a wild later. So there's a lot of really cool little nuances. Um, I haven't delved into the expansions yet, but this is... I already really like this, and it's a really simple, easy to bring out. It's simpler than Oniram to bring out and start playing. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of little things that once you've figured out, you're, you're like, oh, okay, like... Each of the each of the eight galaxies each of the galaxies will only have their symbol on it. I'll just wait for the app this way I don't have to bust it out. I can just <laughs> Well, I mean so out of playing all of them, this is probably the easy, the second easiest setup. Okay. Out of all of them. Like now, now Tilion, it's that's kind of a setup. Arion, same thing. That one's mm-hmm. not too bad. But this I mean, Oniram is just shuffle a deck of cards and that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. This one is shuffle eight decks of cards and lay them out. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Oniram is shuffle a deck of cards many, many times. <laughs> yes. And there will be, there's not nearly as much shuffling in this one. Yeah. But, because like Arion, you, you were rolling dice kind of like a Yahtzee style. You were trying okay. to get combinations to complete the cards. Cool. And so it worked out really well. I enjoyed the mess out of it. Um, I did win the first time. I was playing super easy mode. <laughs> so it's probably why, but I did win. That or you read a roll wrong. Or I might have, <laughs> but I don't think I did, because um, I sat there with the rule book open while I was playing the game, and yeah, it was cool. I liked it. I want to delve into the expansions. I, that, that's a good sign when you beat the game, and you're like, okay, I'm not done with this. Like, I want to see what, what these new expansions do. And from the reviews I've I've heard of it, it the, the expansions really add different flavors to it. So, <laughs> yeah. Someday I'm going to play one of these games. Actually, I like the art in Oniram. I, I don't blame you. The art is very specific. My honest suggestion is download the app for Oniram. It's free. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the best. Sit down for five minutes. Play it out. Once you get the hang if you of gotta it. Kill, like, if you got to go to the DMV, um, like, recently. I had oh, yeah. Go, I had to go to the DMV to get uh, tags for our car. Yeah, I just yep. sat down and I played about six or seven games while waiting for right. my turn. I, I have not been more happy with a, <laughs> a video game app. That is my still go-to most played board game app yeah i have to constantly go back and forth and uh, deleting it and reinstalling it because i don't have space. so much f- a space on my phone and i i tend to play a lot of um ascension 
Oh, yeah. On the app, so yeah. that's still my go-to app. This and Deep Space D6 are my two. Okay. Well, uh, that's a that's Ascension a just makes me laugh and giggle because of the one time I made someone rage quit. Well, it happens. You know, <laughs> they deserved it for playing against you. That's that's what. Well, what's funny is just I had the right combination that made everything go back in the the point totals, but I had already built my engine, like all yeah. the points go back, and I built my engine, so I'm getting like 20, 30 points per turn. So that's they just great. they got mad or something uh, about it, and I'm like. I'm sorry, you were the one that agreed to play with all the decks. So. Right. Well, it is what it is. Sorry. Uh, still, not my favorite solo game, though, the Nyrum series. Final Girl. Now I'm oh, of course. Yeah, one. Final Girl is definitely your number one. Hey, it's not number one now. Nyrum was sitting at number one. Yeah. All right, so moving on to my next game. This is an oldie but a goodie, and we actually just recently talked about it uh, about a month ago when we did our big box series. Okay. Uh, again, I had to take simple games to show to a person who's not a big gamer like you. You better not have brought Elder Veil. Vale. <laughs> no, I don't even own that one. Oh, Elder Veil. Right? No, Ever no, Del. no, 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 no. Elder Veil. Yeah, no, 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 I am not crazy enough to teach that to a no, new gamer. No. That poor even gamer. though it looks like it's supposed to be for new games. What's your kid's game? Um, but this one is actually one of your favorite games. By Emerson Matsuchi. And this is Century. Century, yeah. I, okay. I took base, the base game, Century, um, and I Spice personally group? have the Gollum oh, edition. Gollum. And it went down really well because it's real simple. You either play a card from your hand, you draft a card, all of the small world um, aspect by putting a gem on it for you can, if it's further down the roll, and that's one you wouldn't really want, so you put gems on it, grab it. Uh, pick up all your cards that you played in front of you or claim a golem. It's that real simple. And well, well, yeah, when you play a card, you can trade too. Yeah. And we had a blast with that one to the point where uh, me and um, my other friend, his wife, uh, were arguing with each other because we kept going for the same thing. So she would take all the one that had all the like the five green gems. I'm like, all right, well, at least I have this blue engine going so I can convert all my blues. Yeah. Because I had greens that converted to blues. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Fine. I'll convert these greens to a blue now because I had like a green-blue engine. Oh, yeah. There's blue in that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, teal is what it is. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I had to pivot here and a pivot there. Honestly, it's the best score I scored in Century. I still got la- uh, second to last. Out of five players, I was second to last. The last place was the new player. But yeah. she really liked it. Well, and yeah. it, it tends to happen when once people know those combos and how right. they're going to do it. But yeah, it was really, really good. And I forgot how much I really like it. Now going through it, even though I have played the other two, not recently, I have to say, uh, Century Gollum still is my favorite. Just yeah. the it's simplicity so of it is so easy at it. Like I like the worker placement game. I love the pick up and deliver game. But just that. Do this, do this, this little engine building thing um, where it's so simple. You play a card, do what it says. You could either convert, you could trade. Basically, you could turn two blues into like a, a two greens and a pink, I think is what it is. And it just, it works so well and it goes down really well no matter how many times you teach it to new people. Yeah. I have not heard one person say they hate this there, game. There is something very satisfying about that comboing. Mm-hmm. Like... You feel very clever doing it, which is what matters. And so, like, I was uh, thinking about it, because how I mentioned that um, Planted is my go-to drafting game. 
this is probably going to be my go-to engine building game. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so simple. Should be everybody's first engine building game. Yes, absolutely. I uh, specifically say the Golem Edition because it's prettier. So objective. No, but if you want people to play it, go for the pretty game. <laughs> Especially, sure. and my, my entry was Spice Road. And I understand why you own it, because you like dry euros. But those cubes, I cannot see. So I can't the see the colors on the I can't, well, like, the it's like the, it's like the red and brown cubes, just yeah. can't see them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and to respond to Aaron, yeah, I want to play Final Girl a lot, too. In fact, I'm, I've been trying to steal this copy, but actually, you know what we could do? On our next game day, why don't I bring Stellarion? Well, I'll come early, I'll teach you Stellarion, you teach me Final Girl. We'll play adjacent to each other, and if we have any questions, we can ask. How about yeah. that? Deal? Sure. All right. I don't mind. <laughs> that way I can finally play Final Girl. <laughs> Although I did request it on, the, on our Secret Santa, so we'll see. No, I'll see what happens there. Well, I yeah. mean, I think other than me, I, well, no, I don't think Dom requested it either. Yeah, I don't know. There was I. There was a few games that crossed over on multiple. Yeah, lists. there was several games that yeah. crossed over on multiple lists. I'm looking at all the lists. I'm like, <laughs> like, well, we just, <laughs> let's just buy four copies of this, and we'll all be happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I go for pretty games too sometimes. No, he anyway, doesn't. Uh, the, the he had. One. Let's just say it this way: he's got what 1,200 games, and I only have close to 300 games, and I got the prettier collection. Are you just saying because mine's diluted? Yes, because you own all the those uh, Astari games. Yeah, <laughs> those are pretty bad. <coughs> Not to mention all the Elias. Yeah, yeah, that I do. Anyway, so the last game I wanted to talk about real quick is a game that I literally just played about two hours ago. I played it right before I came over. I was waiting for my wife to come home for work from work to come over here to film. And so while I was there, uh, we I busted out this game. My son showed up from school and he was like, yeah, let's play one. So we played Cryptozoology for Beginners, which is one of the Stephen Rhodes games. It's one of the new ones that just That's came out. That's the one I want to play. It So this is hand drafting. Oh, here we go. You are, and this is why I was like, eh, you know, it did it well. Basically, you have, you have four of the main cryptids right mm-hmm. there, there are others that show up like a jackalope shows up um you're a jackalope a banshee shows up like at some point i'm sure there's others too but the main ones are nessie bigfoot mothman and chupacabra those are the main ones and it has to be chupacabra man yeah. especially for down here exactly, exactly. that's all <laughs> like you got to represent and so each of these cards also have uh colors on them so okay. red green yellow or blue and you are on a school trip so you have like the Start player token is a school bus, like, being held onto by Bigfoot. And they're all, like, taking pictures of them all happy. And so we're trying to get uh, certain pictures of certain uh, cryptids. And that, that's our whole assignment. And so at the beginning of every round, plays three rounds, we look at some assignments. We put one public and one private for us only. So I can only complete my private ones. Whereas anyone can complete the one that I chose for public. And everyone does that. Okay. Then we all get eight cards. Draft, choose one, set it face down, pass, draft, do it until all eight cards have been chosen. And then in turn order, you play one card at a time. After you play each card, you have Mm -hmm. the ability to use them for abilities. Like Nessie lets you draw more cards pretty often. Uh, 
La Llorona would be a great character. Yeah, but young, La Llorona <coughs> isn't a cryptid. That's the, the big thing. It's not a cryptid. Yeah, this is a folklore, right? Yeah. Or an urban legend. Well, it's a folklore more. It's like Bloody Mary type thing. Yeah. It's more of a ghost story rather than an actual cryptid. Yeah, I'm surprised Bloody Mary hasn't made it in more games. Like... Bloody Mary is actually in um, Unmatched. Really? Okay. I haven't played that one. But, so, you're going through this, right? And you're drafting these cards. After you play a certain number, like Bigfoot, they'll let you get reward tokens, which are worth anywhere from three to six points. Mm-hmm. Um... Nessie lets you draw more cards. Uh, Mothman, whoever has the most Mothman at the end of the round, gets an extra reward token. Yeah. Stuff like this, right? And um, if you have certain sets of cards in combinations of colors or cryptid style or symbols, then you can get the assignments and score them for points. At the end of the three rounds, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Most points at the end of the three rounds wins. Sounds pretty cool. Um, this is not bad. I like... Um, this is better than Don't Talk to Strangers, but this is not as good as either uh, Let's Dig for Treasure. Oh, cool. Let's uh, Let's Dig for Treasure or Let's Summon Demons. Those two are better. I, but I think you would like this one better than I did. Uh, I don't really care much for... Um, well, Let's Dig for Treasure wasn't bad. I haven't played the other one, but uh, Let's Summon Demons. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. The Let's Summon one. Demons is the best one. Yeah. But Let's Dig for Treasure always, you know, it always hits the ground running every time I bring it out, too. Yeah, no, Because of how simple it is, it's really fun. Oh, I like Push Your Love, don't get me wrong. And this one was fine. But after playing Let's Summon Demons, it yeah. just, honestly, I have enough Push Your Love games that do it better. I don't need that yeah, one. exactly. Let's Summon Demons does the same thing Machi Koro does, does the same thing kind of like what Space Space does, is you're rolling right. dice and you're triggering things as you're going out. Yeah. Honestly, I love that mechanism a whole yeah. lot, so I can have plenty of games in that. And you really like hand drafting. Oh, I love hand drafting. So I bet you would probably really dig this one. Well, let's see. I own Sushi Go. I own <laughs> Blood Rage. You uh, own Planted. Seven Wonders still? Uh, no, uh, the only one I have is Architects. I never owned Seven yeah. Wonders. Oh, okay. I do have Duel. I have Duel and Architects. I right. don't like base Seven Wonders. Yeah, neither do I. But yeah, so overall, I you know I do encourage you to try it. It's not expensive; they're like twenty bucks a piece or something. Yeah, like, I wanna, like yeah. I said, I want to get start with Let's Summon Demons. I did want to play the Cryptid one because it looked interesting. Yes, to me. the one that you brought over that took away from you for for we can do our podcast. That one does that seems pretty interesting too. Yeah, that one does. So yeah, that that's like um, I, I told you it's like a modern take on Shut the Box. Yeah, but basically you have the numbers one through ten. Roll some dice. Roll two dice. You add that number together. So let's say I roll an eight. I can flip over any number of cards that add up to eight. Mm, okay. And so, and shut the box. That's what you're trying to do. If you can't, if you can't make any combination of what you yeah. rolled, then you get eliminated. Okay. And whereas if you shut the box and get all of them down, then you win. Okay. And so it kind of does that, but there's abilities on these cards that you unlock when you flip them. Okay. So sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. I will let you know after I do. So, my last one on here, I decided on two different games, and I was waiting to see what you were, were going to decide on your list, uh-huh. because I did want to talk about one of the games that we played, and if yes. it wasn't on your list, I was going to put it on mine. So, the one that just got knocked off was Fantasy Realms. Great, simple game. Um, you basically are scoring a hand of card. Yeah. Uh, but the one I'm talking about is when we played last game night on Wednesday, our buddy busted mm-hmm. it out, he's like... This is a city-building dexterity game, and you were like, wait, what? <laughs> you were so confused, and it hurt your brain for a because little bit. Because every time I saw that cover, I'm like, I like that cover. 
I'm wondering what level of economics Euro weight it is, because that's the way the cover comes off to me now. And it's called Mega City Oceania. Yes. Yeah, Mega City Oceania. It it was such a good game. I was shockingly surprised. Every time I saw it on there, on on shelves or on sales and stuff like that, I'm like, eh, eh, I I have enough uh, city building games. I have one. That's all I need. I'm, I'm not a yeah, huge city-building fan. I have like 10 to 15 city-building games. You have, uh, what is it, uh, City Skylines. That was a fun game. Yeah. You have Suburbia. I'm city not Skylines, a huge fan Suburbia, of that Quadropolis. Quadropolis is my Happy favorite city, one. Happy City, Coro. Happy City wasn't too bad, the game right yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I used to have Flip City. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I still have Flip City. Uh, <laughs> I liked it, but it wasn't like something that I was really, really enjoying. Right. This one, however... Might be the second one I would add to my collection because I really yeah. enjoyed it because what it was doing. You're basically um, building a city, a group city. Quite literally. Yeah, and it's dexterity because what you're doing is you're pulling stuff out of a bag, resources. There's four different colors. There's glass, concrete, steel, and... No, those are... That's it's it. It's three, it's three, yeah. Yep. So it's three different colors, and you're trying to build, um, build it up... For you could try to get the tallest building, or and you have contracts that you need to build. So you got to determine if I'm going to build it on a uh, what is it the the yellow one the like shopping um, and other stuff. There's shopping, government, your your basic stuff in city building games. And you're trying to build it. You have a contract that determines it has to be this tall, so like forty. What, millimeters? Yeah, millimeters. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be forty high, and you need to use eight different material or eight different blocks pieces. Pieces, yeah. and then there's certain ones that tell you you can't use concrete or you can't use steel. So I'm gonna make this thing out of glass, and you get a bonus if you just use one material. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna go crazy in this one. I'm going to let you guys duke it out for the tallest building, and I'm just going to meet all my contracts and see what happens, and I lost miserably. Nickel and diming this game did not work for me. But that's because me and our other player, Dom, we are ridiculous when it comes to dexterity. Mm -hmm. The fact that you had to slide the tile over, that we built up, you know, (laughs) a stack about this big of just plastic pieces just hinging on each other. Yeah. And And we're sliding it, you know, three feet across the table. Yeah. Of, of your, it, it's a very smooth table, but it's still wood, so there is still In the, There's grain. leaves, yeah. so there's a bit of a gap. Yep, like, so uh, we had to go, that was hilarious. And I could, I'm sure I could have like scooted closer. Very precarious. But yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it was, it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be that good, in all honesty. Yeah, because it, it was one of those games that we talk about where it wasn't great. It does little cool things, but the fun factor is what drives it yeah. high. Because you're just sitting there, like, oh, is it my turn? Because you're sitting there just playing yeah, you're with just the building. <laughs> See, it's not just a me problem, Daniel. <laughs> no, while I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make my building, you and Tom are just like, oh. Okay. Uh, we're playing we're playing reverse Jenga. We're we're trying to see if we can touch a ceiling fan at that point. You know? So it was crazy. I did really, really enjoy that one though, so I wanted to make sure we talked about it. And Aaron, sorry to hear about your copy of Suburbia. If I find it, I'll let you know. Or if I find a copy, I'll let you know. Yeah. Alright. So shall we get into our list? Speaking of ridiculousness, um because that's a perfect example. Like it uses just really weirdly shaped things. Like 
that that could have been any other dexterity game with like normal blocks, yeah. right? Oh yeah, those pieces. That's the other thing we didn't talk about. Those pieces were weird. Yes, <laughs> and there were different thicknesses. They had different weights. Like they were just yeah. bizarre. That's what I'm talking about. About these little nuances. It's so good. Uh, let's get into our list. We're gonna be talking about uh, eight different games each about Hopefully. games that have uh, like either a subtlety, a nuance, um, something specific about the rules or the mechanisms that make it so much more or unique about other or items that make it unique from games that that we've seen in the same yeah. style genre. Like if we're gonna pick a farming game, what does this farming game do that like no other farming, farming game, game does, does different? Yeah. And that's what we're looking at. Um, so. Anything before we begin? Uh, you suck, and this was difficult. I'm, this <laughs> took me all of about five minutes. And this took me pretty much I was halfway done, half of this day. I was halfway done through my list when you confirmed that that was the list we were going to do. <laughs> so I'm sitting here doing all like the back editing that I had to do while trying to make this list, and I'm sitting yep. there like, oh my god, this thing is annoying. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be fine. I'm curious to see... Uh, with, which depths of the back of your mind that you were able to pull from for this. All right. So, let us begin. I will be starting. My number eight, the first one I wanted to talk about, was a very small game that uh, a lot of people, for a while, like, a lot of the reviewers were talking about because it was just overall a unique game. And the main mechanism is what makes it unique. But I want to talk about one subtle part of it and why I like it so much. And that's Wink. Do you remember Wink? I never played Wink, and nor do I want to. Okay, that's fine. I don't yeah. want to wink at someone. The idea of wink is very simple. You're every turn, every time it's your turn, you're gonna have a you're potentially gonna have a secret partner somewhere around the table. Yeah. And you're gonna score points if that partner sends you a signal or you send somebody a secret part somebody a signal uh that that is your secret partner. If you guys if you figure that out by the time it's your next turn or their next turn then you get score points. Mm -hmm. So what it is, is you have like 36 cards laid out. Um, and they're just numbered 1 through 36. And everyone has a pawn. And you also have a hand of some of those numbers. So I might have number 36. So when it gets to your turn, you're just going to put your pawn on a number. And that's going to signal, oh, that's somebody, somebody around here. If you have that number, that's the one I'm going to guess. Because on your next turn, you're going to guess who has that card that you put on. So, in this example, let's say you put it on number 36. Mm -hmm. At some point, you then became my secret partner, and you don't know this. Yeah. At some point before your next turn, I have to signal you to let you know that I am your secret partner. Okay. So, um, obviously, I would want to wink at you, which is the idea, right? Yeah. But at the same time, somebody might have their pawn on, or multiple people <laughs> might, might have their pawn... Yeah, you, you can't... So, here's the catch to it. If I, at one point, look over at Daniel and wink at him, and nobody notices it, good. I'm in the clear. But if someone catches me winking at you, and they're able to call me out successfully on it and say, I saw you wink at Daniel, then they steal the points instead. So, not... That, that game is already unique, right? Yeah. But the fact that you're doing three different things at the same time is what makes it so fun. You're, you're not only trying to wink at somebody who is your secret partner, you're also trying to... <laughs> what if you what if just flirting, right? 
Um, I feel like this game would be a terrible pickup line. Honestly, honestly. we're both married. The flirting days are done. Yeah, long <laughs> over that. But no, not only are you trying to signal somebody that you're their secret partner, you're trying to look to see who's signaling you that you're there, that they're your secret partner, and you're trying to catch other people looking at anybody else. It is so crazy because it's a simple idea, but you are just dead staring everybody the whole time. And you see, like, someone sneezes, and everyone just look, stares at him, like, what'd you do? And then that's, like, a perfect opportunity. Someone's like, wink. You know, like, trying to make an odd. It's amazing. There is I so come to the realization good. why I don't want to play I, this game. It's not for everyone. It's really no, not. Because it <laughs> sounds a lot like social deduction meets card right. game. And I... It, it's... It's but really it, not, but it, it is I get because it. you're trying to figure out what other people are. So yeah, in a way, in a way, right? You're just trying to look for that subtlety while trying to give a subtlety while trying to catch a subtlety. It's ridiculous. I it's not for everyone, but, but like, for me, I love this game. It is so cool with what it does. I forgot to mention this during the um, what we've been playing. Uh huh. I just want to give a quick uh, shout out to I played Cryptid five people. I played oh. three people, four people, and five people. It goes down great no matter what, what level nice. play you're at. So. Okay. Well, that was my number eight, is Wink. All right, so my number eight is the game that I basically had to cheat on here and put on the list. It's a thing. Um, it's a game that we played this year, and more games need to put some type of component like this in it. And this is Planet Unknown, and it's Lazy Susan. I love that thing because it just makes it, and the fact that it's integrated into the game too. Right. No, this is a hundred percent what I'm talking about. No, this is not a cheat. That makes absolute <laughs> sense because it would not. It you could do it without. You could just put a pawn. Yeah. Next to that, no. What it does with that lazy Susan <laughs> is what makes it so much better. better yeah. All of a sudden, yes. So you get this nice little lazy Susan that has polynomials. I guess you can uh-huh. say. And you have your little, I don't know, pyramid piece, like a little pointer, basically. Mm -hmm. And so you put it in front of you in this section. And so when it's your turn and it's your turn to choose, you rotate the Lazy Susan to the area that you want to pick. So a lot of the stuff are in straight lines. And so by doing that, and I turn it this way, these are the ones I want (coughs) to pick from. And I think it's like four different levels, like the outside shell and the inside shell. So you get to choose like smaller pieces or larger pieces because you're trying to build out on your planet map. Mm-hmm. And so when it's my turn, I get to choose which pieces I get. What ha- However, what happens at the beginning of the game, all of us put our pointers out. So whenever I turn it to get to the pieces I want, I screw over the other players at the table because they're forced to go with whatever I left Or them. benefit. <laughs> or benefit, yeah. Oh. Sometimes it's like, I hate doing this because it's helping you. However, I really need this piece, so I need to go yeah. for this, and it gives you the piece that you need. Ah, but we screwed up the other guy over here, so that's good. That's but nice. sometimes it's you're help benefiting someone, or you're screwing them over because they'll be like, "I don't need, I don't have places for these. What are you doing? This makes this awkward enough. If I have to pick these pieces, it's great, and I love the aspect of this lazy Susan just because one, it makes it so easy to set up and tear down. Because no. everything's in there. Mind you, if you put the box sideways, everything falls out of the Lazy Susan. Yes. It needs kind of like a lid to go over the okay. top of it. That would benefit from a big box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by and far, this is probably one of my favorite games that we played this year. Uh-huh. I didn't make my list last week, but it is such a phenomenal game. 
does really well, and I love the Lazy Susan in this thing, because it just benefits this game massively. Yeah, no, that this is 100% what I was aiming for. So, good job, dude. Like, <laughs> okay. Up high, yeah. Props. Number seven. Back to you. I'll be starting us off. So, the next one I want to talk about um, is uh, another subtlety. It's a game called Ripoff. And have I told you about... I've told you Ripoff. I played Ripoff. Yeah, you played Ripoff. No, yeah, I know. You don't like it. So, the idea is you have, you know, a paper dollar bill, and you have a bunch of expenses... And so there are just a couple of different cards that come out. And you have to tear off a piece of your dollar bill to cover the expense. And everyone's doing it. They all see which three cards are out there. We're all going to be tearing off a piece of the dollar bill. And then we're, we're going to see if it covers up the shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, the part that I like about this and, and the little nuance is that at the end of the game, you're trying to figure out who has the most money physically left over. So whoever has the largest piece remaining... Um, so if you, if you go completely out, you're, you're done for it. Yeah. But the subtle part that I like about the most is that, um, it explains, all right, have a good night, crate. Um, it explains that if you aren't able to successfully cover both expenses physically by covering it with a piece, that is a weight, that's a waste of your money and you have to tear it up, throw it away and then try again. I love that. I just, like, I, I equate that to, you know, having bills and stuff. I just think that would be funny. It's like, well, I decided to eat over at Rudy's today. Guess I'm not paying electric. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not paying the gas bill again. You know, oh, well. <laughs> My kid can wait on braces because <laughs> I want Dickies right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious. I love that. Nobody little song. wants Dickies. Uh, not a, uh, that, our local one is d- disappointing me. Anyway, but... That's neither here nor there. I love that one. You have a Dickies here? Uh, south of town, yes. When did they open up? In El Paso. Oh, in El Paso. Yeah. Okay, I was like, yeah. ours it's, shut down no, a while it's, ago. It's been very sad. I was, I've, I've gone a few times trying to give it more and more chances. It's just getting worse and worse. <laughs> I messed up my order, no joke, like five different ways. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. It would have been would have been closer to my order if they'd given me somebody else's order, is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So moving on to number seven on that list. Rip off. Yeah. Um, is, and this is two games because they use the same mechanism okay. on this. And this is a scoring type of it, and it's actually by the same company. It's between two cities or between two castles. And so for me, when I'm talking about, like, the scoring, what happens is you're you're drafting these pieces, and you have to decide... How you're going to use these pieces? You got to put them onto your left because you're building a city with your partner on your left, and you're building a city on the partner on your right. But you're trying to make them as even as possible for scoring wise because you're going to score your smaller point total. And no. so you're sitting here going, "Okay, I need to put this over here, and you need to put this over here." <coughs> and so I put this one on my list because I've never seen anything do it other than the rehash of themselves where. You, you're working with your partners to score the highest score total, but you got to make sure both things you're scoring are pretty even because you don't want something that's going to be like 15 points, whereas the other one's going to only be 7 points because that's no. a big variation. You're playing this over different rounds. You're drafting different tiles, so there's nothing new there. But when you go into the scoring aspect, it's okay, this score's here, this score's here, here's all your combos here. Okay, this building is like 25 points, and this building is like, 23 points all right i did really well yeah 
you're going to score your lowest one. So the 23 points is going to be your best one. And if your partner scores that same one, your tiebreaker is your other city that you had built or castle in this case. And I think that's actually really interesting. I like both of these games. I think I like castles a little bit more than cities just because of the the little things like you can go up, you can go under, but it depends on some of the other stuff that you have right. in these castles. But I like that fact that you have to negotiate with like, okay, I'm, these are mine I'm going to put over here, but we need more parks over here and I need more buildings over here, but I only have two parks. Which park would be better suited over right. here or over here or this building or this certain room and castles would work better over here. But I know it could be used over here, and it would give us more point totals. So which which partner do I screw over? <laughs> and so I love that aspect of it. it. It's they're not the best games in the world, but they're unique when it comes to something like that. Right. Cool. That's a yeah. No, it's a very good pick because uh, like the between two players mm-hmm. thing is not unique, right? Yeah. Uh, like because there's plenty of games that do that, but the the scoring like yeah. it's still a competitive. Yeah. And the the way you're scoring, like you're you're scoring the higher or, or the two, the other the other one right, of yeah. the one that wins. Yeah, like that's cool. I that's what I said. The, the reason why I put it on this one is because yeah, it's it's doing stuff that's been done before. Right, but, but that little nudge, that right? little nudge, that scoring mechanism, where it's yes. like you want to balance both of these because yes. your lowest one's going to score, and if your partner scores that one as well, right, then you have to make sure your other one is stronger. Yes. because of the tiebreaker aspect of it. Exactly. So yeah, hundred between... percent. Good job. All right, this will be our number six, and we started me again. All right. My number six, uh, so this is the one with the item that I was talking about. But okay. it, it would not function without this item. Um, what, the plunger from well, Rise of Queensdale? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great piece. But no, this game, technically, you could just pass around a deck of cards mm-hmm. and functionally do it. It's the same. But what makes this game so much better? Um, that This is a game called Wallet. And it comes physically in a wallet. And the idea is that you are in like this big. I think it's a mafia themed. Okay. Like so, the the mafia guy, the head of the the don, the don, uh, he finds out that the feds are about to raid, and he bails, leaving you all behind at this house party. But he left behind his wallet, which just so happens to have a bunch of money, bunch of uh, fake IDs and identifications, alibis, stuff like that. And you're trying to get become the most valuable. You're, you're trying to get the best stuff while digging through his wallet while mm-hmm. also having alibis by having fake IDs and stuff. And so you literally pass around this wallet and different parts of the wallet have different kinds of cards. Mm-hmm. Like there's the main wallet that will be like points and stuff. You can either you can either take it from or you can pick from the middle even if you wanted to. Or you can put something back in a place that you remember. You're like, oh, I'm always going to put the bad cards, you know, facing towards me, you know, or facing on this side. And there's even a little zipper pocket that has point tokens on it. (laughs) You can like reach and get change, but there's also the fake IDs and stuff that you're trying to get alibis with it. Again, it could be done by just passing a deck of cards, but the fact that they added the wallet on top of it and having the pouch for the, for the tokens, having the the separate pocket specifically be just for the fake IDs and all the other stuff. I love that. And, that gives you the ability to be like, okay, well, I don't, like, I'm just going to start sliding my cards to the top of the deck and hope other people draw it that are not very valuable. That might backstab them, you know? 
and then hand it to you and see, like, kind of, like, as you're reaching into the wall, you're like, which one am I going to pick? Oh, something from the middle. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't know. It's ridiculous. I, I think that game is a blast. Uh, I Unfortunately, people don't talk about it enough, I think. Um, you hadn't even heard of it, have you? No. I own a copy of this, and, the, like, it's not social deduction or anything. It's just, like, shenanigans. Maybe I should bring it by sometime. It's a great party game. We'll see. Yeah. If it sounded interesting to you, it's it's hilarious. Well, you have to use it on your pick nights, and I doubt you're going to do that. <laughs> I already have about five games picked for tomorrow, but we'll see. Yeah, I, maybe I will. I might surprise you. Next party we have. All right, moving on to Mung number six. And this is where, like, those first two are really good. This one's more along the lines, like, I've never seen what this is doing before, uh-huh. so I had to make my list. And this one, for me, is one of the most simple co-op games out there right now. And it's made by a mass market company and a, a, a miniature company. And this is Marvel slash X-Men United. Oh, yeah. And for me, this one is the way the card play works out. Because you're not only borrowing something else from someone else that, that played before, you're also playing out your cards that are going to help out people as you go. But if you play so many cards, then the bad guy gets to go out. And they make it look like it's a comic as you're going through, and yeah. you're building the comic itself, in a sense, with the fighting and stuff like that. Like, it's not more nuanced than most co-op games, but the sure. fact that... Because all you're doing is you're playing a card, you're getting tokens, you're getting resources to help you fight the bad guys. But the way you have to lay things out, and the way the bad guys trigger and stuff like that, is fascinating to me in how this one plays. And the okay. fact that it's so simple, such an easy game to teach... And has a great license on it, and actually can find it in like Walmart and yeah. stuff like that. And this one, like I said, is Marvel slash X Men United. I love the that card play aspect of it, where you're building. It's behind the wreath. Oh, I see. Uh, building the comic book in a sense for fighting. So right. that's why I'm not going to belabor the point, and let's move on to number five. Number five. Starting with Union. Tommy, you're you're watching this, this right? Like, you rigged really... this, I'm telling you. You're a magician. Well, it makes it easy. Um, okay, so this next game, again, it, it, it works like Wink kind of does. It, it it doesn't work the same game, but it's a very different game. And there's another part that adds another layer of, of silliness. It's a game called Sprint. And the idea of this game is Tortoise and the Hare is the, is the story of the game. Mm-hmm. And you are cooperatively the tortoise. You are trying to get the tortoise to beat the hare. And the, and the hare, honestly, moves very sporadically. He's absolute chaotic. Okay. But you're working together to try and beat him in a race. Okay. So you have the board set up, and there's a race. Now, you, as the tortoise, you can move up to four spaces on your turn. Okay. Now, the way you choose how, how many spaces you, you move is there is a deck of hare movement cards. And there's 32 of those. You need to know that. Because you flip over another deck, and it might say uh, 16, right? It'll okay. give you a number somewhere in there. And then in one move with one hand, you have to cut off as close to that many cards from the deck okay. as you can. So I'm trying to get exactly 16 cards, just reaching down and cutting off that many cards from the deck. What makes this different is that if you get exactly 16 cards, mm-hmm. then he moves uh, four spaces. If you have 15 cards, he's three spaces. 14 is two. Uh, 13, you, you decrease by one by one off. But if you go over by one, it's immediately none. 
oh man. <laughs> so immediately you, you don't. Then after you're done doing that, you flip over one of the cards, put it on the bottom so it stays in there, and then that tells you how many spaces the rabbit moves, or the hare moves. Sometimes he'll move, he'll jump towards a carrot spot, which mm-hmm. might actually move him backwards, which one's closest. So it's, it's shenanigans on how he moves. He's super sporadic as the story goes. But the fact of cutting off part of the deck and, and like, that's already hilarious. It's a weird little dexterity game. But the fact that you, you're doing prices right style, that's what sets it apart. <laughs> is that if you go over even by one, no movement. Sorry. That's too bad for you. So you want to go a little bit fewer, but you don't yeah. want to go too few. And see, this is why I was telling you I don't like doing <laughs> discussion topics like this. This is the second game that you've mentioned that I know nothing about. Right. The, and that's we need why, to fix this because that game's like hilarious. But this is why it's like it's it was easy for you because yes. you played like three times the games I've played. Correct. And most of my games call fine, fall in a suit. Um, that that trend will not change throughout the rest of my list. So you might, you, you've probably played a couple. Of I'm gonna have to start vetoing your ideas. You're like, I got this, I got this, I, I got this, I got ten games total. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have honorable <laughs> mentions too. All right, moving into my next game here is one another one of the no, more newer games over here, and it's just because of the main mechanism of this game and how things move around. And this is Arc Nova. And it's the uh, card selection aspect of this game. Because when you're wanting to do something, do you kind of wait and push it over the the further up and wait to do that action and just kind of build up other places? Or do you just take it now because you really need those resources, but it's sitting at a three when it really, really could be good at a five. And I like that aspect, especially when you start upgrading those action selection cards. So what's going to happen is you have a row of five cards, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I so. one through five, they have their own spots. So you, maybe you want to get animals, or maybe you want to get something. One. Uh, so if you want the one that's in the one to be a better action, you got to start using the ones that are further up. So maybe you start with your five, which pushes everything up one. Or maybe you push with your three, and that moves your one to a two, and so forth. And I love that aspect of that puzzle. It's sitting there like, okay, I really need to do this, but I need it to be better. How can I do it without sacrificing my turn to get me make my turn as efficient as I can while trying to upgrade this one for it can become more powerful? And so that little aspect and puzzle, I haven't seen that in other games before. You might have, but again, you have like 5,000 games in your knowledge. (laughs) So, but... That aspect of it, this is like one of the first games I thought of when you told me about this list, is like because I have not seen that action selection. I've seen action selection, but right. the way they do it and how you can ramp up that power, and then it's like, okay, I really like this power. This is where my engine is going. Maybe I should work to upgrading this power. This way I get better selections on it. Like I get better animals, or I can uh, get my animals further. But then you got to be careful because if it gets to the coffee break, then that's when all the scoring goes. So i got to budget how I'm going to do these actions before the coffee break stuff. So, yeah, for me, it is a phenomenal game. Uh, I love that mechanism in it, and that's Arc Nova. All right. On to Arc Nova 4. All right. Now, I haven't seen that mechanism specifically. I've seen it with commodities and, like, variable pricing and stuff, but not as actions. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, so... Despite my vast array of knowledge, yeah. as you claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the compliment. 
<laughs> the fact that Number four. Hey. And you're starting us off. Are you going to start one? And this one is a game that I know you haven't <laughs> played yet. Ooh. As of now, I know you just recently bought it, but you've been wanting to play it. And this is, again, another newer game, um, but not the newest by this company. This is the second of three games from this company. And it's uh, from Unexpected Games. Oh, uh, Voices. Voices yeah. in My Head. I have head. not played it yet. I thought the, about bringing it. The, what, I, uh, what I'm talking about in this one is the the nuance of the coin pusher. They made one of those arcade-style games yeah. where you shove coins and it pushes it off the thing into a mechanism in this game. And I have never seen this in another game before other than like those arcade games. Basically, what's going to happen is you're, you're putting like an area control aspect of this game. You're putting where you're doing, and you got a coin pusher to help you get control of a certain aspect of this character's brain. You're all different emotions or um, that aspect of it. And so you're using this coin pusher aspect of the game as area control. I thought that would, that blew my mind. I was like, okay. Not to mention the way the prosecutor sets things up and then how you're trying to get the area control for you to draw more cards for your personal deck or you're mm -hmm. trying to get area control for the ability to change how the jury's going to think because everybody's different. So, like, if you're playing the prosecutor, you're just trying to find them guilty. Yep. There's other people who are trying to find him guilty. Uh, there's another, per another not person, but, like, another thought that's trying to make it where it's basically a hung jury, another one trying to get off. And so, as a not guilty, and so the nuance based on that area control makes the coin pusher aspect of it much more intriguing because you're trying to, you can't turn your card or anything like that. You have to keep it as straight as possible in the coin pusher. And then you're trying to make sure you get control or making sure no one else can get control that area. So it's it's like, you know what, that took him, like the, there was, when I played it, there one person was drawing cards mad because they were controlling that area. And every start of the turn, they get to draw a card. So, um, his wife decided, you know what, this is too powerful for you, and made it where it tied so he couldn't draw cards anymore. And then on the next turn, my wife went over there and pushed everybody off with her coin because there was like two just kind of hidden uh -huh. off there for the area control aspect, which gave her area control, and she started pulling games. And so, yeah, it, it's it's interesting at how that one works. And this one was Voices in My Head. Yeah, I do want to try this one. Very much so. So, um... This next game, I thought briefly about doing a demonstration of what makes it unique, but then I didn't want to get punched today. That's why I was looking <laughs> over here, I saw the lightsaber. This is Nightmare. And one of my favorite things and I, is during the game, but in Nightmare, so Nightmare is a Halloween theme, or a horror-themed board game. Well, if you you're a VHS fan game. of the, the podcast, you, you know what you've heard him is. talk about it. But there's a VHS playing. Um, or a video, and this guy is belittling you. And it's a versus game, but you are playing it where um, where it, if nobody finishes by the end of the hour, you lose. Everyone loses. And there's one part where he's talking about how like the demons are coming from their soul and all, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And there's time cards where you draw the time card, and if the timer hits a certain point in the VHS tape, the timer of the video that you're watching, then you take an action at that time, okay. regardless of whose turn it is. And this little subtle one, as he's building up to this point, you have to scream. 
and it says, at this point, like, scream, and if anyone gets startled, you may steal their cards. <laughs> no, thank you. Hilarious. I did that twice. So one was, one was, uh, to my friend, and one was to my son. And I felt a little bad. No, you they didn't. Were, just slightly <laughs> right when I did it. Just because my throat hurt, I screamed pretty loud. Ah! <laughs> they uh, and it's like, all right, have me your cards now. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? Sure enough, yeah, I six card. Uh, I love that. It just adds to the flavor because, like, you would imagine, yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, uh, atmosphere has another level on top of it. But yeah, same idea, right? Yeah, if you did and that to me, you wouldn't get a startle. You'd get a punch. That's that's why I did it. So I thought about like it just just had noise. Bah! Then. Like, and that's the part of the game that I thought was funny. But I don't want a black guy for work. So, but you, broken glasses. <laughs> broken glasses, right. Shards of glass in my eyeball. But yeah, I that... Like, because in a game with that style, you want people to be screaming to be scared. And what better way than just tell them to do it? <laughs> and it works really well. And if you startle somebody, you're going to steal their cards? Hilarious. What Nightmare is amazing. What I find funny about that is uh, I don't have a fight or flight response. It's fight <laughs> or fight. <laughs> fight or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to, this is me, right? Uh, number three. three. Okay, yeah. I started. I'm, I'm so confused now. Hey, yep. look, I'm starting again. <laughs> Moving on to my number three is actually a game I have not played, but because of this mechanism makes me want to play it a lot. And this one is, and I actually, it's on my shelf of shame. Can you guess which one it is? Oh, Zolkin. Yep, yep. <laughs> Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. Yes. Uh, the the aspect of it's worker placement, but you kind of want them to sit on that wheel a little bit longer to get more powerful. Uh, yeah, I love worker placement for one thing, and the fact that this does something so different for worker placement, especially because you're trying to age the workers yeah. to get a lot better. Oh, I want to play this so bad. Yep. This looks so interesting. Now, mind you, it's a bit bland compared to some of the other prettier games I own, yeah. but that those gears are so, so nice. And I've seen people, like, um, they put, like, a wash on it or paint it slightly to make it look like the Mayan calendar thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it looks so pretty, but I'm, I don't have the talent or the want to do that. So, But I do want to get this played. In fact, uh, next week is my picks. That might be one of the games I choose Ooh. to play. Yeah, because that's how much I want to get this to the table and play, because that, that like I was saying, that aging aspect of it. But you got to be careful because you don't want to get to the point where you fall off. Don't get want to get greedy or something like that. No. And the fact that you got to pay for everything with corn aspect of it. So it's like, okay, if I go here, we're gonna make sure I got to pay the corn to go here. I got to pay corn to go above someone else for I can get further on the track. It's so many aspects of this game I want to try, but that the way the worker placement is, I that's that's what intrigued me about this one. Yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, cool because they could have done it otherwise. Right? Yeah, they could, yeah. Have, done, they, they could have been done a basic worker. Yeah, placement just game. like move all the pieces, right? Easy. Or like, uh, what is it in the Century One where it's like, okay, you there now, you got to pay two workers to go there. Exactly. Exactly. Very so, cool. Good pick. Uh, my number three is a game that I referenced earlier today. Um, when I was talking about other games that are in the series, six games? Games? that's right. Let's dig for treasure. <laughs> my pick for number three, and there's two cards specifically that does it, and they're very meta cards, and uh, it goes along with the theming of it. So let's dig for treasure is a very simple press your luck game. 
you you pick this top card of one of the stacks, you read it, it'll have a number on it maybe, that's how many points it's worth. But you can keep going and dig up more cards if you want. However, if you ever get two worm cards, then you bust and you mm -hmm. lose all the cards you've collected that turn. Or if you ever get an evil skeleton card, again, you bust and do that. So this game, you're just pulling cards and it's silly. There's two cards specifically that are hilarious. One is uh, you get to find board games in the graveyard and it's worth zero points. But if you're the owner of the game and you happen to pull that card, it's worth five points instead. <laughs> and then the other one is beginner's luck. And that's worth zero points again, but it's worth like 20 if this is the first time you've played this game. <laughs> like that that level of humor just makes it fantastic that's what it that's like, what we need in that i do like these games like i said i've only played two of the what uh six six yeah. now yes um you you mentioned the th first the third one in the first series yes you didn't care much for you said right you yeah, let's let's well let's talk to or let's, don't talk to strangers is it don't talk to strangers don't it's talk the one to with strangers. the Ouija board right no, it, there's a there's a map, and you're you're trying to avoid aliens from picking up. Oh, okay. It's just a, like it's simply just like you move, and if you get far enough away from your starting place, it's worth more points. Um, and then you can potentially get abducted by aliens, but really that's super uncommon. Um, yeah, like no. it's it's just it's not that funny. Like the cover is the funniest part about it, and you don't feel that playing the game. Honestly, I would like just to get all six of these to collect them because yep. they're not super expensive. I think yeah. you can get all three for like sixty bucks, something like that. Yeah, they're, they're like twenty bucks a piece. So yeah. no, but I agree with you. Let's dig for treasure. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, but let's dig for treasure. My number three. All right, moving on to number two. Number two. I'll start off with this one. Yep. My number two is a farming game from Uwe Rosenberg. Is it the Bean Game? No. Oh, Bonanza. I, I have thought about Bonanza on this list. I was on my honorable mentions because, like, how many different things you have to do that will want you to press your luck even farther for the next round is hilarious. But that's not it. This is Rayholt. Oh, I was going to say, is it Rayholt? I was I wanted to say, like, he's something. But I'm like, no, yeah. he's not him. Rayholt. Ray yeah. yeah. And the re there's one part about it. Uh, it's pretty standard worker placement. There's about 40 spots that you can put stuff, get vegetables of different kinds. But he has a scoreboard around it, but it's not really a scoreboard. It's the number of tables of people that are in in the city that you're feeding. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to go up this uh, scoreboard by giving them or serving them vegetables. And so the way it works is there's five different types of vegetables. The first five are there. There's a hierarchy to them. Like yeah. I think tomatoes are like one of the more valuable, whereas like cabbage is less valuable, stuff like that. And anyway, the first set, you have to give them one of each. Then the second set is two of each, then three of each, four, and then so on and so forth. At the end of your turn, you are allowed to go up this track as far as you can afford to do so, which is basically like trading for victory points. Except one of those tables, you are perfectly allowed to skip, and instead of paying the resources, you receive those resources. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Meaning that if I'm on the second layer... I could give two cabbage, I can give two lettuce, I can take tomatoes, and I can give them carrots, and then I'm still, like, progressing. So I'm earning points, but then receive choosing one of those to receive the resource in it instead. That's such a bizarre idea. Yeah. That's like, if I was playing Ticket to Ride, it's like, well, I'm I'm not going to score anything for this 50 point, I'm just going to get 50 points. Like, yeah. move forward. How weird is that? 
and it's such a bizarre idea, but it works really well in the game. And it lets you plan because there is often times where there's certain vegetables you just can't get a hold of. Mm-hmm. So that that's not a problem at that point. You're like, all right, I got to diversify, but not I don't have to that badly. Yeah. And then once I get to that point anyway, I can just skip past the next one because I'm already ahead by two. Okay. So it's awesome. I love it. Ray Colt, the scoring track is awesome. Uh, now, going to my number two, um, <coughs> this one is an interesting aspect of it because I've seen other games do this, but the way they worded it and how it goes, this is for me, it's just because it's funny. Because I was in for the fact that it's a memory thing for me when I was playing it with my group. It's a, it's a campaign game, and this one is where you're on a ghost train. Oh, yeah. And so I remember reading the rules to them and explaining all this stuff, and there was still an argument, and I'm like, guys, you have to remember the hobo code. Yep. So what I'm meaning by the hobo code is that if it's the worst possible outcome, you must take it. So there was an argument about, like, who's... So what's the game? The, the game's Vagrant Song. There was an argument about uh, the way the monster or the haint it was supposed to move and there was like an equal number of places but it was allowing him to move through certain things and the other way wasn't allowing him to move certain things and so there there was an argument like no it doesn't work that because this is like the fastest track but they were arguing about it i'm sitting there like guys remember hobo code if it's the worst game i played yes because that that was a different argument. No, yes. no, no. This is a different argument because it was yeah. a husband and wife oh, who were with okay. equal distance from each other. Yes, okay. But yeah. one of them had another person that could yes. be hit as they're moving through, whereas that other person couldn't be hit. Right. And so they were arguing about it. And I'm like, guys, remember Hobo Code? If it's the worst possible outcome, it has to be That's taken. Yeah. And so they're like, no, that doesn't make sense. It's not right. And I'm like... No, because it's still it's equal distance. Right. They both can be gone through, but one person can be walked right. through. <laughs> gone are the days where if they're equal distance, players choose. Players no, choose. no, this is game chooses <laughs> worst possible outcome. And so I remember that and they were funny because it had someone and that person was me that he walked through, forced me to go westbound. <laughs> so I went westbound because of that. And it's just like, oh, that was the worst possible situation. But it was also fun because once you go westbound, you get much more powerful powers. Right. You just lose your actual gears and stuff like that. So I love this game. This is one of the first ones I thought about just because I have something to reference because of that hobo code reaction. Worst possible outcome, you must take it. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Awesome. And on to our number one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Actually, so, I'll start off because it's not that simple. It's always my number one. Okay. Gloomhaven. Uh, yep. Yeah. Actually, it is. Okay. It's the card mechanic. Uh, okay. Having to choose the top of the card and the bottom of the card, you could use it as your movement, but it's also your initiative track, so you have to use that puzzle aspect for other players as well. It's like, but the way you have to word it, you can't tell directly what your number is. It's like, I'm going to move fast. And so you're basically trying to tell your partners, hey, I'm going to move fast. Don't get in my way. Don't move too fast. Or another uh, one aspect of it is like, uh, I'm going to do this because this way everybody gets a bonus or something like that. So I need to move quickly. So I'm going to use this. uh, I'm going to use one of my cards to move very quickly in the nuance of it. So 
it's the way you have to talk to give information but not perfect information yeah. to each other. And honestly, that aspect of it, when you play Gloomhaven enough, yeah. you kind of learn other people's cards. So if they're going to say fast, okay, uh, maybe they're going to play their 13. Or maybe yeah. they're going to play, okay, they have to go first. They're probably going to play their 4. That kind of aspect of their initiative. But also the way the cards play. So you have to use your top and your bottom unless you have a character that allows you to do something else, um, where you have to basically do one attack and one move or some special thing at the bottom. But they also have basics, so you can do a basic attack or a basic move, and all these are individual. Yeah. I've, and I like dungeon crawls, but most dungeon crawls are based on dice rolling. The combat on this one is based on card play the entire time, and I haven't really seen a lot of games do something like this. Yeah. <clears throat> Where you have multi-use cards for action, but also for your initiative, but also for some of the other stuff that you do right. that are just distinctly unique for you, and here's the best part. You can upgrade those cards. Later on, you can pay stuff to upgrade those cards. Once those cards are upgraded, if someone else wants to use that person after retirement or something like that, they get the upgraded cards to use in their hands. So I really think he went over the top with this game. I've yet to see this kind of mechanism in other games. Uh, and I've played uh -huh. a lot of campaigns like role-player adventures, um, like uh, other dungeon crawls, right. Vagrant Song and stuff like that. Not a lot of people kind of want to try this mechanism because right. Normally it's, it's kill things with dice. Yeah, pretty much. And it just gets a nice flavor it gets something different it actually makes you think about how you're going to do your movement how you're going right. to set yourself up because oh this is a really good card but or and the big thing about it too is when you upgrade you're putting new cards in your hand and so you're sitting there like oh but this is a really good card but this is the one that doesn't hit do well but it also allows me to move very fast so do i want to take this card off and just the way those cards play i've never seen anybody else do as well that's awesome. Good deal. Yeah, that that's a good pick. At first I was like, yeah, that's that's the whole core of the game, but no, like the fact <laughs> it's not just like like how you play it. It's yeah. it's the fact that you're choosing the top and the bottom of, of two different ones. So it's like if I'm using this really good bottom half of the card, I'm never gonna be able to use that. Not for a long while. And, you know? and the big thing about it too is like if you're using it for like its big a big ability, yeah. Sometimes those are gone for the rest of the round right. or rest of the game. Yeah. So and then you trash it, and now your card... So, like, there's a character that holds 11 cards, and this is out of the base box, so he holds 11 cards. Yeah. Well, if I use that in the very beginning, now I'm down to 10 cards, and I'm yeah. losing a card every time I have to reset. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy at that point. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really... Yeah, that's such a cool mechanism. It makes me excited to play Gloomhaven now. <laughs> My number one is a party game. Um, kind of. It, it's, it, it's like a team game, but the teams change throughout the game. This is called Jolly Roger. I knew and this was going to be on your list because you talked about it when you talked about this list. Exactly. This was the inspiration for the list because there is one part about it. It's basically, you know, everyone's on a pirate ship. Uh, some Sometimes you'll be the captain, maybe. Um, that depends on if people choose for you to be the captain. Mm -hmm. And it makes you makes it points where you're going to be giving out points to people who either vote against you or vote for you or whatever. You know, you choose whoever gets what. Yeah. And you could be rude. Like, you could be like, well, Daniel, you voted against me. I'm going to let you remember that. And then, like, give everyone else points. 
and purposely give you wrong stuff. Or you might be stuck with like just not great stuff and have to give out bad stuff and pe- make yeah. people question loyalty all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But the best part about it is that at whenever you're captain, the whole thing is it's trying to incentivize uh, change of hands. Like whoever's the captain will change multiple times throughout the game. And if it so happens to change where you um, where you make enough people angry, then yeah. somebody else will turn captain. But don't worry, you have a trusty first hand. First mate. First mate. First hand, first mate. Yeah, first mate. <laughs> Whatever it is, you have a trusty first mate. Me. Come on, man. That's right. So you might, you, I might have another player as my first mate, but they start choosing, they have, uh, it's been a long time since I've played the game, but I do remember this mechanism specifically. They have a very heavy hand on something. And if they do something that you don't like, you could just straight up whip them. And you just say, first mate, discard a card. And they they can't argue against it. <laughs> they are not allowed. You could just straight up punish them at your own whim. <laughs> when, just because you feel like it. You can either just purposely do it to cause an uprising because you... There's times where you won't want to be captain uh, because then it'll be penalizing your endpoints at yeah. the end. But you might, or you might be trying to pass the buck so you can later then rile against them. You yeah. know, so I might just be like, first mate, discard a card. I'm whipping you. Like you've been out of line. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, but but sir, no. I've said what I've said. <laughs> like, it's just, it's the rudest, meanest, funniest mechanism I've seen in a lot of games. Most games just don't even come close to that. And even like in a party game setting, there's not something that you could just straight up do to punish somebody and have it be thematic and have it be hilarious at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's like us playing, you know, apples to apples. And I'd be like, you know what? Like, I need to find out who played this card so I can make sure you don't get a point. <laughs> it's like, why? What in the world? Why would you do this? Like, yeah. this is hilarious. So Jolly Roger, my number one. I One of the most unique, funniest Interesting mechanisms. So I do have to mention I had two uh, games on my shortlist. So I had I came up with ten games. I just had it off to the side over uh-huh. here. Uh, my shortlist: the two games that I had on here, Aquatica. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Just with the card tucking into the, yep. get the treasure, and then Smash Up, where you're combining two different oh, decks yeah. into one thing. But, Smash Up's a great example of that because that's yeah. Yeah, actually, I just found out there's a game that does something like that now. I think it's called like Soul Forge or something like that. I watched it oh, during okay. some of the Dice Tower stuff. That's interesting. And it was make, making some people surprise list and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah. No, the the two I had, I had Bonanza. Um, then I also had Dive, which that's all yeah, the classic. I played that one yet, yeah. Um, and because that is the main mechanism, that's why I took it off. But they purposefully put a bunch of images that purposefully overlap <laughs> to mess with you. And like, there's even one that just has a whale in it. <laughs> and so everything seems suddenly all deeper, you know, so it's, it messes with you. But then the other one was Magic Maze. That was a, a Spiel de Jar nominee a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know which one that one is. It's yeah, the... ol- like only I would be able to move the pawn left and north or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, what was it? I think I played it at Dice Tower West in Yeah, 2019. it's all real time. Yeah. The part that I thought was so fun was the pawn. Like, because you can't communicate. But if I'm like, I really need you to do something, I just take the pawn and start slamming it in front of you. It's like, here's a pawn. Do what you need to do. <laughs> like, And then, like, I last time I played it, which is why I hadn't hit the table, someone, he, he somehow knew, like, a really important move, and he was slamming that pawn right down right in front of me. He's like, go! And I was like, 
I don't know what I'm scared. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, like you seem very upset, and I'm like, I know this is cooperative and it's real time, but like, I can. Oh, like, is it? And then I would move the piece, and he's. Oh. <laughs> it's like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, the, I like morally hurt him. <laughs> the, the only other so game good. that uh, I can think of right now, and it just popped in my head right now, is Keyforge. Yeah, yeah, the unique. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Whereas, like, you have this deck, but you can only call out one of the... Oh, uh, yeah. The, what you would call it, to play against. Yep, exactly. That's so, like, all the mana aliens, burn. Yeah, yeah. I can only play the man or the mana, yeah. the aliens that are in front of if me. If only I can activate this faction. Well, you can. Just, yeah. Just pick the faction. Yeah. Then, then you pick them. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, You're not beholden to anything. It's your choice. That's the only it. other one I could think yeah, of. So, no, I thought example. about... 11 games, not minus the Dungeon yeah. Pets one you were talking and about. And I'm sure after we leave, yeah, we brought up Dungeon Pets when, uh, when if your certain pets get unruly, they happen to escape, but then coincidentally meat shows up at the, at yeah. the food place. Don't, worry, know, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just a coincidence. But they went to live on a farm, I'm sure. Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed that list. It was a bizarre list, yes, but I think that was a pretty hilarious list myself. <laughs> I I mean I liked my choices. Yeah, but Maybe you also like too. clowns, so that's true. Um, so if you ever want to join us on a live chat, uh, like our friends Aaron, Creative Chaos, It Three, all of us, and anybody else who's joining us in our live chat today, uh, we want to thank you for so much for tuning into our live episode. You can do so at Twitch.tv/slash Everyday Board Games, as well as you can get uh, watch the video reuploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. If you like what we do there, there are three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you ever want to be a tiebreaker for a future discussion, and I say tiebreaker for a reason, if you like this style of episode, feel free to email us directly at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And there you can also email us to let us know about future topic ideas, whether you do or don't, enter giveaways, or just even to say hi or what your thoughts on the episode if you don't want to do so in a public forum. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account, at EBG Podcast. We'll see how long that lasts, but for the time being, you can get in contact with us there. All right, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. I like how we always have that little in Twitter. Yeah. Um. Maybe we should jump to Instagram. I don't do Instagram. I don't either, but I'm about to. <laughs> it's, it's like Twitter or Meta. <laughs> Pick your poison there. I uninstalled my Twitter. Uh, I hardly use my Twitter. I only I'll, use it. I'll for, tell you the story in a bit, but I, I don't The only way, reason I use my Twitter is for uh, board gaming deals because I follow. Um, yeah, board game. Uh, tabletop Bellhop. Table, tabletop Bellhop. I couldn't think yeah. of the name for some reason. And also, um, for like my sports news, it's the best yeah. way to get uh, like. It's, a good way to it's baseball it. off season right now, so. Yeah. So we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And thank you for listening. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.